Welcome to Honeymoon Mindset. We are passionate about helping everyone be in an everlasting honeymoon phase just like us. We will teach you how to get to paradise in your relationship and stay there for the long haul. Shy away from real talk? No way. We cover it all. Fights, sex, past relationship, family issues, and way more. We are your hosts, Beth and James Deppa. Welcome, everyone, to Honeymoon Mindset. I'm your host, James, and this is... <laughs> Beth. <laughs> I know. I just remembered you don't like that. <laughs> we still got to work on our intro yet. There, yeah, we do. <laughs> we'll get it event someday. Well, so. I am super excited of our guest today. We have Dr. Gary Chapman with yes. us. <laughs> Which uh, last week you asked me a bunch of questions. I did. You yeah. know, about love, trust, honesty, respect. Right. And a lot of that, as we ended up the show last week, sort of walks us right into Dr. Gary Chapman, who is the author of The Five Love Languages. And he's going to help us talk about some of that stuff today, how it affects marriages. He's a New York Times bestseller. Yes. Um, he's written many, many books, um, some for teens, kids, um, Books on how to save your marriage, books on just pre-marriage. a lot of pre-marriage. Yeah. yeah. What do you want in marriage or if you're in a marriage, how to save it or what to do. So he is a family master and a relationship master. <laughs> so so welcome, Dr. Gary Chapman. How are you doing today? Well, thank you, James and Beth. I'm doing great. I'm in North Carolina. I would say the sun is shining, but that would not be true. It's raining oh, no. every day. <laughs> it was shining, shining earlier here today, but it's cloud, clouded up over this afternoon. Looks like it wants to rain here, too. Yeah. So, so why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself than what I did? <laughs> <laughs> Well, as I said, I live in North Carolina and have lived in North Carolina my whole life, except the time I was in college. I spent five years in the Chicago area at Moody Bible Institute in Wheaton College and five years in Texas in seminary. But other than that, we've always lived in North Carolina. I actually work on a church staff, and I've been on the same staff now for 49 years. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not the senior pastor. I've worked with three senior pastors through the years. Uh, but uh, I've done a lot of things in these uh, 49 years. I directed our college ministry 10 years, our singles ministry 10 years, and then uh, and then worked with couples and, and have been doing counseling through all of those years. So uh, it's been a great journey. And as you said, I, uh, have, I love to write because writing, you can touch the lives of people that you will never see. Right. And, uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, it's great to see how God uses books to touch the lives of people. So. I, uh, I, people ask me, you know, what do you enjoy most about uh, your life? I enjoy all of it. You know, I really do. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. So how long have you been married? 59 years. Wow. <laughs> to the same woman. <laughs> Very nice. That is remarkable. Yes. In, a, in its own right. 
And I suppose all those years were rosy and peachy, I suppose. Oh, yes, I, absolutely. That's <laughs> perfect. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, I write about our journey because uh, we had a really hard time in the early days of our marriage. Uh, I was actually in seminary studying to be a pastor. Uh, two weeks after we got married, I enrolled in seminary. Wow. And, uh, boy, I came down off the high of the in love thing, and our differences emerged, and we didn't know how to solve them because, you know, you don't think you're going to have any conflicts when you're in love. Exactly. And uh, <laughs> they, so we didn't know how to solve them. We argued with each other. And, uh, you know, within six months, really, I was asking myself, you know, have I have I made a huge mistake here? I mean, I you know, and I prayed about it before I got married. And we were both Christians. And I thought, man, you know, I don't know what's going on here. Hmm. And maybe because we had so many problems. Uh, maybe that's why I have so much empathy for people who are struggling, because I know you can be sincere. You can you know, think you're going to have the greatest marriage in the world and, and things don't always go well. And so uh, I have empathy when people come into my office and say, we're just really, really struggling. We don't know if we're going to make it because mm -hmm. I, I remember those thoughts ran through my mind. So, yeah, you know, but God uses the hard places in our lives as well as the smooth places uh, to, to make us and then to use us. Yeah. Yeah. I know for us, um, like we've said before, when we talked back at the end of August, no, boy, time flies, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're on our second marriage and we've been looking at, or Beth has been looking at a lot of the divorce rates and statistics. And we've done a lot of work on our mindset and ourselves and like you said, it's been tough, you know, being remarried and going through those struggles and everything. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that's where we've come up with our show, our honeymoon, honeymoon mindset. You know, once that honeymoon phase or love um, goes away, Dies, yeah. you know, what do you do then and how do you live with each other? And yeah, yeah. as we've talked about it before, we realize that, you know what, you still can have that love that without the naiveness that goes along with being in the honeymoon phase. Right. And that's why we call it the honeymoon mindset. You got to get in the mindset. And some of that is talking about, you know, how do you deal with, how do you talk to somebody? How do you keep that love and passion for each other alive and going? Yeah. And you have experienced and probably on several occasions, just like everybody in a relationship, it takes a lot of work and effort. Yeah, it does, but it's worth it. You know, it's oh, really yeah. worth it because when you, when you do get uh, things going well and you both feel loved by each other, you've learned each other's love language and you have the ability to ask questions, you know, honey, if something was bothering me, uh, would you want me to talk about it? And, they, they, yeah, sure they do. Maybe not now, but they, they want to hear what you got to say yeah, and, right. uh, and how to listen to each other empathetically, you know, not trying to listen long enough that you can shoot them back, but uh, listening, trying to understand them. When you get all that thing going right, marriage is what it was designed to be, a loving, mm -hmm. supportive, caring, encouraging relationship. And that's what I think everybody wants that when they get married. Definitely. Uh, you know, so oh, but yeah. we do have to work at it. Mm -hmm. Right. So through the struggles with your wife, what's your wife's name? Carolyn. Carolyn with a K. 
Carolyn with a K. <laughs> yeah, I've only met one other person that spells Carolyn with a K. Wow, interesting. <laughs> now, with you, Carolyn and yourself, is that how you developed the five love languages? Actually, that came much later. Uh, after I had counseled for a number of years, uh, and I began to realize that, you know, what makes one person feel love doesn't make another person feel love. Actually, I never forget the first time I encountered this reality. A uh, couple came in to see me. I didn't know them. I found out they'd been married to each other for 30 years. And they sat down and the wife said, uh, you know, Dr. Chapman, before we start, let me tell you a little bit about us. She said, uh, we don't argue. We don't believe in arguing. Uh, we don't have any money problems. And she went on with two or three more positive things. And I was beginning mm -hmm. to wonder did they come in here to tell me what a good marriage they have? <laughs> <laughs> and then she started crying and she said, but Dr. Chapman, the problem is I just don't feel any love coming from him. She said, we're like roommates living in the same house. She said, we don't argue. We don't put each other down. It's just, he lives his life and I live my life and, right. and there's nothing going on between us. And she said, I feel empty inside and, and I just don't know how long I can go on like this. Well, I right. looked over at him and, and he said, I don't understand her. You know, I do everything I can to show her that I love her. And then she says she doesn't feel loved. I said, well, what do you do to show your love mm -hmm. to her? He said, well, I get home from work before she does. So I start the evening meal. And sometimes I have it ready when she gets home. If not, she helps me. And then we eat together. And after we eat, he said, I wash the dishes. And Thursday night, I vacuum the floors. And every Saturday, I wash the mm -hmm. car, and I mow the grass, and I walk the dog, and I help her with the laundry. And he went on, and I was beginning to wonder, what does <laughs> yeah. this woman do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the wife dream husband. Yeah. Right there. <laughs> and, and, and I look back at her, and she started crying again. And she said, Dr. Chapman, he's right. He is a hardworking man. She said, but we don't ever talk. We haven't talked in 20 years. She said, we, we just, you know, we just don't talk to each other. Right. And, uh, and, and so after that, I heard similar stories over and over and over in my office. And I knew there was a pattern to what I was hearing, but I didn't know what it was. So eventually I took time to sit down and read several years of notes that I made when I was counseling people and mm -hmm. asked myself the question, when someone says, I feel like my spouse doesn't love me, what did they want? What were they complaining about? And their answers fell into five categories. And I later called them the five love languages. And yeah. I started using it in my counseling. You know, if you want her to feel love, you got to speak her language. You want him to feel love, you got to speak right. his language. Yeah. And couples would come back sometimes in three weeks and say, Gary, this is changing everything. I mean, the whole climate's mm -hmm. different now. And then mm -hmm. I started using it with small groups of couples, and the same thing would happen. And it was probably five years later uh, before I had the thought, if I could put this concept in a book and write it in the language of the common person so everybody could understand it, maybe I could help a lot of couples that right. I would never have time to see in my office. So that, no. that's how it started. And wow. of course, I had no idea the book would now sell over 14 million copies in English and be translated in over 50 languages around the world. Wow. That is I mean, so amazing. It, it just amazes me, you know? But, well, yeah. I know James and I um, were recommended your book this summer. And so we incorporated that into what we started as our new morning routine with um, which included, you know, reading some time together. Yep. And 
when we, I mean, we obviously loved it and that's why we're so excited to be able to talk to you. Mm-hmm. We were going through and, you know, trying to kind of guess at what our love languages were when, you know, just starting off in the book. Right. And I think you were pretty close on, but I think we, well, I don't think, I know we both <laughs> <laughs> thought uh, my love language was different than what it really came out to be, which I guess it was amazing to me. I mean, it was, it was really eye opening that um, I guess I'll just share the, you know, love language we both thought I would be listening to is receiving gifts because I mean, a lot of women like to get gifts and yeah, yes, yeah, I'm definitely yeah. one that likes to have gifts that are, you know, thoughtful and, and meaningful and all that kind of stuff. Um but ironically, when I took the quiz that you have for the five love languages, I got a zero in receiving <laughs> gifts. <laughs> um, come to find out my love language is acts of service. Mm, mm. Yeah. And um, yeah. so that that was very, very eye-opening for me, definitely. I think for yeah. you, too. <laughs> no, it was. As we're going through the book, you know, we're talking about it, you know, going right along with it what do you think ours is and as we're thinking about it you know right mine i thought for sure was physical touch but then as i thought about it's like yeah but as i was working on myself and who i am and dealing with a lot of stuff from my past i thought after a while it was um affirmations but then as i took the quiz it turned out that no physical touch was but right second close was affirmation and quality time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it really does help. Sometimes uh, people guess correctly when they just get the idea of what they are, and sometimes they don't guess correctly. Uh, But discovering your own love language and then discovering the other person's love language and then choosing to speak it. It's not enough to know their language. You have to choose to speak it. One man told me, he said, Dr. Chapman, uh, I read your book, and my wife read it, and we took the quiz, and uh, her love language is acts of service. He said, but I'll tell you and her, if it's going to take my washing dishes and my vacuuming floors for her to feel loved, she can forget that. I said, well, <laughs> that's your choice. Right. And love is a choice. If you choose not to love your wife in a way that would be meaningful to her, that's your choice. I said, I much prefer to live with a wife who has a full love tank, who feels mm-hmm. love. I said, I've lived with both kinds, a woman that didn't feel love, a woman that did feel love. Same woman. <laughs> right. Early years, she didn't feel love. Latter years, she did feel love. I said, I much prefer to live with a wife who has a full love tank. I said, but that's your choice. Uh, and that's sad, I think, if a person really does know what would make their spouse feel love. And because of their own selfishness, they just say, I'm not going to do that. Right. Well, they're not going to have a good marriage, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why don't you describe to our listeners the concept of the love tank? Yeah, well, it's, uh, I, use the, I use like a gasoline tank in a car as, as a metaphor. You know, if the gasoline tank is full, you can drive a long ways. But if it's empty or it's near empty, you're not going to go far. And so I like to picture inside every one of us, there's an emotional love tank. And if the love tank is full, that is you genuinely feel love by each other. Really, life is beautiful. Mm -hmm. But if the love tank is empty and you feel like 
they don't love me. They wish they weren't married to me. Life begins to look pretty dark. And mm-hmm. a lot of the misbehavior of children, because this applies to children as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of children who have an empty love tank uh, will misbehave. We say they're trying to get attention. And they are. They're, they're trying to get love. And, and so misbehavior of adults also often grows out of an empty love tank. So, you know, learning, learning each other's language and choosing to speak it and keeping the love tank full, uh, I mean, it, it just creates a very positive climate between the husband and wife. And it's much easier to resolve conflicts or face the traumas that may come in life if you both feel genuinely loved by each other. Right. So why don't you briefly describe what the five love languages are? Okay, and there's no particular order, uh, but I'll, I'll start with uh, words of affirmation, using words to affirm the other person. Uh, you look nice in that outfit, really appreciate what you did. You know, one of the things I like about you is just looking for things that you can affirm them about. You know, there's an ancient Hebrew proverb that says life and death is in the power of the tongue. You no, can kill people. You can give them life by the way you talk to them. For some mm-hmm. people, this is their primary love language. More than anything else, it's words of affirmation. You can speak the words. You can write the words. I guess you can sing the words. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you could. Uh, and then there's acts of service, doing something for the other person that you know they would like for you to do. In a marriage, there would be such things as cooking meals, washing dishes, vacuuming floors, walking the dog, mowing the grass, changing the baby's diaper. Woo, that's a big one. (laughs) (laughs) You know the old saying, actions speak louder than words. Oh, yeah. If if this is their love language, actions will speak louder than words. And then there's gifts. It's universal to give gifts as an expression of love. You know, before I studied counseling and theology, I uh, did an undergrad and a master's degree in anthropology, the study of cultures. We've never discovered a culture anywhere in the world where gift giving is not an expression of love. It's universal. So, and the gifts don't have to be expensive. Right. You know, we've always said it's the thought that counts. Mm -hmm. Uh, A man told me the other day, said, Dr. Jamin, I was taking a walk. And I saw a bird feather and I picked it up and I took it home. And I said to my wife, honey, when I was walking, I found this bird feather and I want to give it to you because it reminded me that you are the wind beneath my wings, girl. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) He gave a gift and words of affirmation. (laughs) Didn't cost him a thing. (laughs) So there's gifts. And then there's quality time. Giving the other person your undivided attention. I do not mean sitting on the couch watching television. Someone else has your attention. I'm Mm -hmm. talking about sitting down, TV's off, computer's down. We're not answering the phone. We're looking at each other. We're talking to each other and we're giving each other our full attention. Or you don't have to be sitting. You could be taking a walk down the road and talking or going out to eat, assuming that you talk. Right. <laughs> have you noticed in a restaurant how many couples sit there and both of them have got their phone out? Yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, and really, it's not always having conversation. There are many dialects in all these languages, but it, it could be just uh, planting a flower garden in the front yard that uh, your wife wants or he wants. And you're both out there working together. The important thing is not the flower garden. 
it's with something we're doing together and our full right. attention is being given to it. And uh, then there's uh, physical touch. And we've long known the emotional power of physical touch. And that's why we pick up babies and hold them and kiss them and cuddle them. Mm-hmm. Long before the baby understands the meaning of the word love, the baby feels love by touch. So in a marriage, this, this would be such things as holding hands and kissing and embracing the whole sexual part of marriage, arm around the shoulder, driving down the road, you put your hand on their leg, you know, just affirming touches. And the simple concept is that out of these five languages, each of us has a primary love language. One speaks right. more deeply to us emotionally than the other four. And so the key is you learn each other's primary language you speak it on a regular basis. Then you can sprinkle in the other four for extra credit, okay? <laughs> I mean, we, we can receive love in all five ways, but if you don't speak the primary language, they will not feel loved even though you're speaking some of the other languages. So you kind of touched on, you know, the when you find out what your spouse's or partner's love language is, and if it's something that you're not used to practicing, um, hopefully most spouses or partners aren't like the example you talked about yeah. that just say it's not going to happen. Um, are there any examples you give or how do you try to help people work through those things when it's something they didn't grow up with or it's not something yeah. they're used to? Well, it does take effort. If you, for example, grew up in a family where you did not receive words of affirmation, It'll be difficult for you to learn to speak words of affirmation. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but here's the good news. You can learn to speak any one of these languages, even if you did not receive them as a child. For example, I remember the man that said to me, Dr. Chapman, he said, my wife's language is words of affirmation. And he said, I don't know how to do that. He said, I didn't receive them growing up. He said, I got a lot of criticism, but I didn't get words of affirmation. And he said, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to, what to say and how to say it. Right. And I mm-hmm. said, okay. I said, uh, I knew he was a golfer. I said, you, you, when you started playing golf, did you do it real well? He said, oh, no, 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 Dr. Chapman. I, I, you can't imagine how many balls I put in the lake. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, well, now you're kind of like a pro. How did that happen? He said, well, I, I got a coach. And he said, and I just kept trying. I said, okay, I'll be your mm-hmm. coach and you keep trying. Now, here's the first assignment. Tell me three things about your wife that you like. And he sat there a minute and he said, uh, well, uh, she, uh, she's a good cook. She's a good mother. And she's a good school teacher. I said, okay, okay. I wrote them down. Mm-hmm. And then, then I wrote out beside each one of them a sentence. Like in the, in the uh, a good cook. I wrote out a sentence, something like this. I said, honey, I haven't told you this, but I really appreciate the meals you fix for us. You're such a good cook. I just wrote it out. Then I wrote one, you know, on the, on the other two. I said, now here's your assignment. You go home and stand in front of a mirror and you read these out loud to yourself at least twice a day for the next week. He said, is that all? I said, yeah, just by yourself. You just read them out loud. <laughs> he came back. I said, now, can you say those three sentences without looking at your notes? And he tried. He stumbled, but he tried. He got them out. I said, now, here's your son. Each week for the next three weeks, I want you to pick one of those, and you give it to your wife sometime during that week. 
Okay. And in three weeks you come back. So he did. He came back. I said, so he said, I did it. I did it. Dr. Chapman. I did it. (laughs) And I said, so how'd your wife respond? He said, well, the third week she said to me, what's going on with you? I have never heard you give me so many compliments. He said, well, honey, to be honest, I'm trying to learn how to express to you how much I love you and how much I appreciate you. And she said, that is wonderful. I love you. He said, Dr. Chapman, she hadn't said that in a long time. (laughs) So, you know, it's like learning a spoken language that you didn't grow up with. You have to work at it, but you can learn to speak it if you really want to. And so Mm -hmm. you can learn to speak any of these languages. You just take baby steps and and step by step, you get better. It begins to feel more comfortable as time goes on. Uh, But the important thing is you are making the effort to express love to your spouse in a way that's meaningful to them. You're filling up their love tank and you get the pleasure then of living with someone who has a full love tank. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, it's wonderful. Yeah, I know I've been doing a little traveling this during COVID and stuff. And some people like, I can't stand being stuck in the house with my spouse and stuff. It's like, okay, let's hear the rest of the story here before. (laughs) And and during this time, it's like, I loved being with Beth. I loved the time we got to spend. We made our office from one desk to two desks and then made it work. And my studio became a production studio as well. And a, factory studio because I expanded my <laughs> photography into products. So I had to produce all that. Yeah. You know, I enjoyed that time. And as we worked on our honeymoon mindset and our business and stuff, um, you have a show on Moody radio. Yes. Um, I've been in that studio when I was a little lad. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, Dr. Donald Wise. Oh yeah. I know the name. Yeah. 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 He baptized me. Really? So, yeah. Wow. So well, you know they have a new studio now. It used to be in Crowell Hall up yep. on the ninth floor. Yep. Uh, and now they've got the Chapman Center. Oh wow. It, it houses all of Moody Radio and all of Moody Publications. Uh, wow. it was built awesome. about, I don't know, three or four years ago. So yeah. Nice. Nice. So we're going and looking through some of your past shows that you have on there. And one of the one is common challenges of a marriage. You did like eight or nine episodes on that alone. Did that revolve around the five love languages? Did that play a role or what are some of the common challenges? Well, uh, yes, that's one of the big things is making sure that you are meeting each other's need for love. Uh, Another challenge is learning how to apologize to each other. And the reason I say that's so important is that none of us are perfect. You know, all of us do and say things from Mm -hmm. time to time that uh, intentionally or unintentionally that hurt the other person. And when we do, we put an emotional barrier between the two of us. And it doesn't go away with the passing of time. It just sits there. And then if you have another little incident, it's another block. And this is the way people build walls between them. Right, but if, right. you, if you apologize when you fail uh, and they choose to forgive you, it removes that block. And now the relationship can go forward. So learning how to apologize uh, is an important part of a healthy marriage and then choosing to forgive because apology doesn't remove the barrier. Apology right. opens the door to the possibility that you can be forgiven and then mm-hmm. it is removed. You know, we found in our, I, I wrote a book on that. It's called uh, When Sorry Isn't Enough. 
We found that people have different ideas on how to apologize. And we asked thousands of people two questions. When you apologize, what do you typically say or do? And we found five different ways that people typically apologize. And I promise you, we weren't looking for five. <laughs> I like five. That <laughs> was a good number. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, so we, we shared these in the book when sorry isn't enough. And you have to learn, honey, what, what, do, you, what do you consider to be a sincere apology? So uh, I remember the couple sat in my office and she, and she said, I would forgive him if he would just apologize. And he would say, I did apologize. You didn't apologize. I told you I was sorry. That's not an apology. <laughs> They're arguing about whether or not he apologized. So, you know, you need to talk about, uh, honey, what do you consider to be a sincere apology? And learn, you know, what they consider to be an apology so that you'll know how to apologize and then choose to forgive. We found that about 10% of the population almost never apologizes for anything. And most mm-hmm. of them are men who learned, <laughs> wow. it, learned it from their fathers who said, real men don't apologize. Yeah. <laughs> and we know where their fathers got that. John Wayne, that great <laughs> theologian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I say to men, listen, guys, you, your dad may have been a good man, but he had bad information. Real right. men do apologize. Mm-hmm. And women do apologize. And we also forgive when our spouse apologizes. So I think that's another conflict area. And, and then I think, I think another struggle is actually uh, conflicts. When we disagree on something, anything, we both feel strongly about it, that our side is the right side. And so we try to win the argument. Right. right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I say to couples, think about it. If you win the argument and your spouse just caves in and says, okay, you won the argument they lost the argument. It's no fun to live with a loser. <laughs> right. so why would you create one? Mm-hmm. So learning how to listen to the other person, uh, you know, the, the word we use is empathy. That is try to put yourself in their shoes and look at the world right. through their eyes and ask questions to try to understand what they're thinking and how they're feeling and what they're feeling. And then be able to say, you know, honey, I think I get it. I think I understand what you're saying. And I think I can see how you would feel that way. And it makes sense. Now, now let me share my perspective. Mm-hmm. And then you share your perspective and they listen to you until they can honestly say, honey, I think I understand what you're saying. And right. I can see how that makes sense. So now you're not enemies. Now you're friends who've heard each other out. You pulled it, got to go over there and looked at the world through their eyes. And it, you still may not agree. But then you say, okay, honey, how can we solve the problem? And you spend your energy looking for a solution rather than spending your energy trying to win the argument. Man, that is huge in America. Yeah. Learning how to handle conflict. And it's easier to fill a love tank too when you're not button heads with that conflict. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So are there any of the two love languages that are sort of complete opposites of each other? You know, I don't think so. I think, however, here's a scenario that often happens. If your spouse is number one, their primary love language is your number five, then it's a steeper learning curve because, you know, it doesn't mean much to you at all. And so you really 
don't understand how it could mean much to somebody else. Right. You have to accept that. It does mean something to them. Uh, so you often have that. Uh, but again, as I said, you can learn to speak it, even if it's not meaningful to you. If you know it's meaningful to them, you can learn. Mm-hmm. Some guy said, well, Dr. Chapman, how, how, I don't know how to buy gifts for her. And that's her love language. I don't know how to do that. I said, okay, listen, several things. Why don't you ask her sister? What are the kind of things she likes? I mean, if she if she has a sister, you know, and then ask your ask your wife, make you a list of the kind of things that you would like to receive as a gift sometime. Uh, just, you know, be as specific as you can or as, or as broad as you can. But make me a list. So I will have something to go on. And I said, then if you ever hear her on a, watching TV and said, man, that would be nice to have you go write it down. She just gave you another clue. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and you know, you can learn how to give gifts that are meaningful to her. So, yeah. So I think, I guess I feel like with all of the love languages, it just really gets down to paying attention to your partner. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, you know, whether the language that they is their number one. And mm-hmm. if you're not used to it, or even if it is something you are used to, you know, just picking up on their cues and things that they say and, you know, yeah. all those different things that just, people just need to pay closer attention to their, to their partner. Kind of like you alluded to earlier too. these uh, things that we have in our hands all the time, you know, have, have drawn our attention so much that, people don't pay attention to their partners like they need to, or they should. Yeah. Yeah, You know, if we, if we just drift in our marriage, that is, we spend all of our time doing, you know, things that that are helpful and meaningful things that need to be done, but we're doing things, things, things. And then we have free time. We're just glaring at the screens uh, and we're drifting. You always drift apart. You never drift together. You drift apart. Right. You know, I was I wrote a little book during this pandemic called uh, Five Simple Ways to Strengthen Your Marriage When You're Stuck at Home Together. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and one of the things was because here's what happens uh, if couples were already kind of struggling before they went into the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It got worse. Right. And, and the, the, the things that irritated them, it irritates them even more. Right. And yes. so what they end up doing is they start giving criticism to each other. They start throwing out what I call verbal bombs. And one mm-hmm. of the things, as I suggested, was let's just start by signing a truce that for the next three weeks, we will not throw any more verbal bombs at each other. I won't give you any criticism, and you won't give me any criticism. We're just going to have a truce, okay? Let's just see how this works. Yeah. Yes. So after the first week, then, you say, honey, what if we added this? Now, in addition to not throwing a bomb, what if every week we gave each other a compliment? And I'll tell you something I like about you. You tell me something you like about me. Okay? I'm telling you that Mm -hmm. simple thing at the end of three weeks, you're going to realize we don't want to throw any more bombs. We want to keep on giving positive words. And even if words is not their language, not their primary language, listen, no one likes to hear critical words. Right. Oh, yeah. It says you're you're no good. You're worthless. You're communicates all of that. Just stopping all of that and looking for positive things, you know, Uh, 
and, and there's always something positive. You know, one lady said to me, Dr. Chapman, I, I really would like to do that, but to be honest, I can't think of anything good to say about the man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) And I I said to her, I said, well, does he ever take a shower? (laughs) She said, well, yes. I said, well, how often? She said, every day. I said, if I were you, I'd start there. (laughs) Taking a shower. I said, listen, there are men who don't. (laughs) (laughs) There are always things you can give, give, you know, positive words about. And when you do, it begins to create a more positive climate in which you can begin to deal with life much easier. Yeah. Through your research and your studies over the years and seeing your clients, how often or have you ever noticed that somebody's love language changes over time? You know, I think, uh, first of all, I think that basically the love language tends to stay with us through a lifetime, like many other personality traits. But having said that, I think, yes, there are seasons of life in which another language may jump to the top. Uh, For example, a mother who has two preschool children, acts of service may not be her primary love language, but during those years, it's probably (laughs) going to jump to the top. She's overwhelmed, you know. Uh, So, yeah, I think there may be seasons of life in which uh, it may change. And here's another common thing. If your number one and your number two love languages are very, very close, if you get enough of number one, you may begin to feel like, you know, I don't know. I think number two has become number one. Right. But if they stop doing number one, you'll mm-hmm. quickly say, oh, no, 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 no. That's still my primary. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what other advice if somebody's struggling to figure out what their spouse's love language is or they're having conflict, how would you, what advice would you give to somebody to open up talking to them about to help them figure out what their love languages are? Uh, Three things I suggest informally that you can do to discover your love language or somebody else's love language. First of all, you observe their behavior. How do they typically relate to other people? Right. If, for example, on the phone, you hear your spouse always giving people encouraging words, words of affirmation is probably their language because we tend to speak our own language. Mm-hmm. Or if they're always giving people gifts, there's a clue that may be their love language. Uh, if they're the kind of person that likes to spend an hour and a half having lunch with a friend and just talking about everything, quality time is probably their language. And the same thing is true with you if you like to do that. So observe your behavior, observe their behavior. Often you can pick it up. Actually, you can discover a child's love language by the time they're four years old by observing their behavior. My son, when he was that age, when I came home in the afternoon, he would run to the door, grab my leg, and climb on me. (laughs) He's touching me because he wants to be touched. Our daughter never did that. At that age, (laughs) she would say, Daddy, come into my room. I want to show you something. (laughs) <laughs> she wanted quality time. And they grew up, and they're grown now, married, and that's still their love language. Uh, so that's one clue. Another clue is what do they complain about most often? The complaint reveals the love language. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. a wife says to a husband, I just feel like we don't have any time together. I mean, I just feel like we're ships passing in the dark. We, we hardly know each other anymore. Right. 
she's complaining that they don't get quality time. Uh, or if, uh, if you go on a business trip and come home and they say, you didn't bring me anything. <laughs> They're telling you gifts is their love language. Or if they say, I don't think you would ever touch me if I didn't initiate it. They're telling you that physical touch is their love language. So you see, we tend to get defensive. If our spouse criticizes, we tend to get defensive. Right. And we'll say, if if a wife says we don't spend any time together, he said, what do you mean? We went to dinner Thursday night. What are you talking about? We get (laughs) defensive. Right. Really, they're giving us valuable information. And then the third clue is what do they request most often? If they're saying periodically, honey, can we take a walk after dinner? They're asking you for quality time. Or if you get ready to go on a business trip and they say, be sure and bring me a surprise. (laughs) They're asking for a gift. Or if they say, honey, could you give me a back rub Uh, or or whatever, you know? Uh, So you, you take those three things and you can figure out your own love language. And you can also figure out your spouse's love language. And then as you mentioned earlier, you can go online and take the free quiz uh, at fivelovelanguages.com. The number five, fivelovelanguages.com. There's a quiz there for married couples. Yep. There's a quiz for single adults. There's a quiz for teenagers. There's a, there's a quiz for children. They told me the other day, James, that 40 million people have taken the couples quiz. Wow. wow. <laughs> and I million. told, and I, wow. told I told Moody Publishers does that. And I told us, you guys should have been charging a dollar a piece. You know? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, no, no, we're just trying to help people, you know, get this concept. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that uh, it, you, you really can figure out your own love language informally, or you can go and quit, go to the quiz and see if it tallies up with what you picked out in these other or decided yeah. in these other ways. Yeah, it was some of those statements were quite hard for me because it's like, well, I like both of them. Yeah. You know, and it's like, which one would you prefer? I think the one was uh, uh, going places with your wife or holding her hand. Yeah. Well, I like to go places with my wife. Yeah. I mean, anywhere. Yeah. But I have to hold her hand too. So it's yeah. like, uh, let's go places and hold hands too. Yeah. Both of those are important, you know. And, and let's yeah. face it, all of those, all of these things are okay. You know, I mean, we, right. we, we can appreciate any of them, but typically you do feel a little stronger about one than, the, than you do the other. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. As I was sitting there thinking, it's like, well, when we do go places, we do hold hands. So, yeah. You know, <laughs> You know. uh, yeah. So you talked that you have um, two adult children that are both married. Yes. So did you take the opportunity to give them any pastoral or fatherly advice before they got married? And if so, what was that? Well, you know, uh, we, yeah, we did talk, we did talk. Uh, but I think the big, uh, the big thing that, inf- that uh, impacted them was they watched our marriage. Right. You know, our model is more important than our words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, we did talk about, you know, the principles and then all that I later put in the book, uh, things I wish I'd known before we got married. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and we did talk about those things before that book was ever written uh, with our children. But uh, they, they say to us, you know, that looking back on it, it was the way you and mom treated each other 
that taught us how to love how to love our spouses. And uh, I, I say to couples, you know, please understand, really, your model, what you model, is more important than what you say to your kids. Right. And here, uh-huh. here's another part of the problem. We say certain things to our kids. We teach them certain things and then we don't do it. Yeah. Right. And then they, they kind of lose, you know, they, they, we lose our, our, our impact on their lives. And, and listen, if, if people are listening now and are saying, well, yeah, we blew it and we messed up our kids. It's never too late to go apologize to your kids. Right. I don't care uh-huh. how old they are, or how young they are. And so, you know, if they hear you yell at your spouse, man, the sooner you can apologize to them and say, listen, I apologize to your mother last night because I I screamed at her. You heard me. And tonight I want to apologize to you kids because no husband should talk to his wife the way I talked to your mother last night. And your mother was kind enough to forgive me. And I want to ask you kids to forgive me. You know, you you practice that and and your kids are going to respect you because they know what you did was wrong. And you act, you just go on and act like it didn't happen, and and they they come to distrust you, you know, mm-hmm. because there's a gap between what you tell them to do and what you do. So you don't have to be perfect to to be good parents, but you do have to deal with your failures. And right. uh, you know, you all mentioned that you were in a blended family, uh, and I don't know if you're aware, but I, we released just uh, I don't know maybe a year ago. I don't know if you know Ron Deal, but Ron wrote a book called Smart Step Families. And he's been working in, uh, in blended families for years. But we wrote a book together on how the love languages works in a blended family, and especially a blended family that has children still at home mm-hmm. uh, or even adult children uh, that we're really, really excited about because uh, the dynamics are different in a blended family, especially with the children. For sure. Uh, yes. You know, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so people get, read the love language thing and they, they, they have this before they get married and they know the children's love language. And, you know, the husband says, my son's love language is physical touch. So the stepmom says to herself, boy, I'm going to make sure this kid, I'm, this kid knows that I love him. So she's from the very beginning, she reaches out and she gives him a big hug and he pushes her away. All right. And she's frustrated. Wait a minute. I thought that was his love language. Yeah, and what mm-hmm. she doesn't understand is the emotional dynamics. You know, he he he's got another mother. Mm-hmm. Either she died or she's somewhere still alive. You know, if it was in a divorce situation, and and he's he's got an emotional attachment to her, and he doesn't have one to you, and he mm-hmm. doesn't know who you are yet. Yeah, so he's he's not ready for that big hug, and so we talk about on each of the love languages there are levels of uh, of intimacy. And so you start mm-hmm. with the, the smallest uh, level of intimacy. So if it's physical touch, you might need to give him a high five for a while. You know, every mm-hmm. once in a while, give him a high five for a couple months. And then maybe you can give him a little pat on the back. And it might be a year before he'll let you hug him and, and really embrace that. And that's true with all the love languages. So uh, we really feel like this book is going to help blended families yeah. learn how to use the love languages in a meaningful way and not be frustrated, you know, when you feel like, well, I thought that was their language and they're not responding, you know? So yeah, yeah. We, we're, we're excited about that book. Oh, yeah. That sounds great. Yeah. I know for me in that aspect with my stepsons, you know, I knew they had a dad. They're still, he was still in the, their lot hit their yeah. lives. Yeah. You know, and it's like, I'm not here to replace him. I'm not here to be your father. I'm going to be your friend you don't have to call me dad or father or anything. Yeah. Only 
when you're ready, but everything else, I just sort of went at their pace and yeah. try yeah. to do stuff yeah. as they're, they were comfortable with, you know, I never yeah. pushed the envelope. It's like, okay. You know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's what you have to do. So, and, and sometimes, yeah. and sometimes it, there's never, there's never an intimate relationship, you know, especially right. if the, if the kids are older right? Uh, yes. and because they, you know, they, they don't know about this new thing, you know, and so <laughs> they're living their lives and, and they'd be kind maybe, but they don't want to be too close, you know, so yeah. mm-hmm. sometimes you'd have to accept that, you know, the reality, but yeah. 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 I know that's one thing that the fairy tale of, you know, this wonderful blended family, all everything working great together. <laughs> and then yeah. the reality, yeah. you know, where, yeah, yeah. it's like, you just kind of let things go at their own pace and oh yeah forcing forcing the envelope <laughs> is definitely not going to make things better <laughs> yeah no, no. Pa- pacing is a key word you know pacing yeah. and it's going to yeah. take longer than you imagined it would take and you might get there you know and and that's what you all that's what we all want you know we want right to be loving and caring and feeling good about each other and and uh, and 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 many blended families can get there mm-hmm. and some don't you know yeah. But uh, as you say, you can't force that. So uh, we're, we're excited about that one. It's called, blend, it's called Building Love Together in Blended Families. And uh, you can find out about that also at fivelovelanguages.com. In fact, all yeah. my books you can find out about at fivelovelanguages.com. Yeah. There's little blurbs on all of them. Yep. So that sounds like an a, a invite for another episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you the guy you want to talk to about that is, is Ron Deal. Because uh, he's, as I said, he's worked in that for 25 years. And I, I really teamed up with him because of his expertise, because mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's not, it's not my expertise, but I mean, right. obviously I've worked with many blended families, but, but he's much better at that. Uh, so you might want to have yeah. him sometime. Yeah. yeah. Because that's one thing we do, honey, is we work with blended families, especially since we are a blended family. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and there are so many nowadays. Uh, absolutely absolutely there is yeah and worth working on trying to help curve that divorce rate you know that's another reason why we have honeymoon mindset and that's one thing dr chapman has been working on his whole life towards yeah. too because it's so staggering and and sad yeah. and through all this as we're talking it keeps coming to my mind through all this is it's the communication. It goes back to that love language. Yeah. You yeah. know, when that love language is being met and filled, you're able to talk to your spouse, your partner a whole lot easier. Right. And, and, yeah. and you and I, honey, have noticed as we're meeting those needs for each other, how much more we can accomplish together and get done and how much more of a joy and pleasure it is. Right. You know? Yeah. Even yeah, I, I have long said that I really do believe that if I could only give one message to a marriage couple, it would be the love language message. Mm-hmm. Because our deepest emotional need on the human level is the need to feel loved by the significant people in our lives. And if you're oh. married, that's your spouse. The person yep. who would most like to love you is your spouse. Right. And as yes. you said, you know, before marriage, you had all those warm feelings, man. You felt <laughs> close. You were yeah. in that in love stage, you know, and it's euphoric. Right. Uh, but what, you know, nobody told me that the average lifespan of that euphoria 
is two years. Nobody told me that. Some are a little longer, some a little less, but two years yep. is everything. You come down off the high. And, and if you don't know about the love languages, that's when what happened to me happens to people. You know, you come down off the high and your differences emerge and you start arguing with each other. And then after a while, you have negative feelings toward each other. And mm-hmm. you're just not compatible, you know, and, and, and then it goes downhill from there. Uh, but if you understand up, up front that you will come down off that high, but if you learn each other's love language and you speak it on a regular basis, when you come down off the high, I mean, you hardly miss it because you, you are loving each other. You still feel loved by each yes, other. Yes, most definitely. Yeah, but most couples don't get that down before they get married and they go through a period of, you know, come down off the high and then arguing with each other and all of that. And what's so sad is that some of them never discover, uh, you know, wh- what could have, what, wh- how they can rebuild that by going mm-hmm. back and apologizing mm-hmm. for past failures and saying, honey, let's learn how to love each other. And you get this down, you can rebuild a marriage. It really, it can. In fact, I do marriage seminars around the country, or I did before COVID. (laughs) (laughs) On Saturdays, I do 15 a year all over the country uh, under the umbrella of Moody Publishers. Mm -hmm. And uh, every Saturday, I would have people come up to me and say, Gary, I just wanted to share with you, your book, The Five Love Languages, saved our marriage. I mean, we were just desperate, and we thought maybe it wasn't going to work. And somebody gave us that book, and we read it, and then we took the quiz, and we talked about our love language. And we under, first of all, we understood what has happened in the past that mm-hmm. we were missing each other. You know, we were, we were loving each other, but we were missing each other because we were speaking our own love language and not their love language. And it literally saved our marriage. And of course, obviously that's very encouraging to me because that's, that's why I wrote the book because I knew right. it had right. the potential of saving marriages. Yep. Yeah. I, Wish it was something I knew a long time ago, but yeah, <laughs> I wish I'd known. I wish I'd known it a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. As even as we came up with honeymoon mindset, the honeymoon theory, you know, we talk about being each other's, being in paradise together. You know, yeah. Some it's back in the woods. Some it's downtown New York City. And some's on a beach in some Caribbean area. You know, that whole idea of that honeymoon phase, the honeymoon mindset, the in love feeling, as you call it, Dr. Chapman, you know, that can happen, that can exist. And I know you and I, honey, have talked numerous times. Right. What do those old couples who are still holding hands, giving each other pecks on the cheek and on the park bench or in the mall or whatever, (laughs) you know, it's like, what do they have? Yeah, absolutely. And And if you have it, you know, people will see it. People people will say, how long you guys been married? (laughs) What's the deal? (laughs) Or you Uh, just got that glow in your face with, as you look at each other, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And And you you can also go through the hard times of life much easier. Mm -hmm. All of us will have hard times. Sooner or later, we'll have hard times. You know, my wife went through a cancer eight years ago now. Oh, wow. It was a hard, 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 hard year. You know, she had the surgery. She had the chemo. She lost her hair. She just went down to skin and bones almost and no energy and all of that. And, of course, there are thousands of people out there that have gone through similar things with cancer. 
Mm-hmm. But that cancer is not the only thing. I mean, there's, there's other diseases and other things right. that happen in our lives that are just devastating. But if you are speaking each other's love language, uh, man, you can go through it a whole lot easier than yeah. if you don't oh, have yeah. this kind of relationship. You know, I wrote another book on, and this is a common thing too, on keeping love alive as memories fade, the five love languages and the Alzheimer's journey. Oh, Wow. And I wrote it with a medical doctor whose wife had the disease. Wow. And uh, he, he knew the love languages. They knew the love language. It had helped them in their marriage early on. And he, he was the head of the oncology department uh, at our local hospital. And he became so interested in her disease that he resigned and went back to college and took a master's in counseling and oh, came wow. back and set up the memory counseling program at the hospital. And uh, and when when one when one partner had been diagnosed with uh, any dementia, uh, yeah, he he would use the five love languages to help them get connected emotionally before they went into this long time long term journey. So anyway, uh, all right, that sounds amazing. All right, we are running short on time here, so <laughs> we have. But we're having so much fun. <laughs> it is a great uh, uh, Doctor Gary Chapman. Check them out at moody.com. Uh, five Moody love languages.com. Yeah, yeah, yep. Five love mm-hmm. Yep. Let's uh, get him stuff. And we will have stuff on our website that they can uh, reach honeymoonmindset.com. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. We again, thank you. And thank you so much, Dr. Chapman. Yep. And greatly appreciate it. Well, thank it. you. I enjoy being with you. So, <laughs> all right. Thank you, everyone. Listen for listening this week with Dr. Gary Chapman. And we'll be back next Thursday at 5 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. (laughs) All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us this week on Honeymoon Mindset. Make sure to check us out at our website, www.honeymoonmindset.com. If you found value in our show, please check us out on our Facebook group, Honeymoon Mindset, and share with a friend. If you and your partner want to experience more passion in your relationship, please send us an email at passionatelifementors at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in every Thursday at 1 p.m. Central. Thank you. This is Beth. And James. Live like us in paradise with a honeymoon mindset. <laughs>